politics, the bush and the future of our regions. You're listening to Weatherboard and Iron with Barnaby Joyce and Matt Canavan. Welcome to another episode of Weatherboard and Iron, a podcast all about regional and rural issues across Australia. It's been a little while since I've uh, since we've been on online, uh, but it's a new year and uh, starting with a new podcast. I've got George Christensen, the member for Dawson, with me here in Rockhampton. Good to be here, Matt. It's been a pretty uh, uh, big week in, in global politics. A lot's happened, as they say, uh, in a week. Uh, it was about a week ago now where the uh, dramatic scenes we saw at the, the Capitol. Uh, we've all condemned uh, that uh, that violence. and the, mm. Hopefully it's been the culmination of, a, of what seems to have been a year of political violence over in the US. Uh, uh, hopefully now everybody will condemn all types of political violence because uh, it's not the way to do things. And it's done enormous damage to... Uh, the Trump brand, uh, and uh, his attempt to expose what he thought were fraudulent issues at the last election. Yeah, look, I, I agree with some of what you've said there. I mean, uh, I'm more interested in how this issue impacts upon uh, domestic politics here in Australia. Uh, and you're right in what you say. You've got to condemn all sorts of violence in politics. Uh, we have seen some instances here in Australia of of politics getting out of control and there being violence involved. Um, but, uh, you know, you've got to condemn it all. You've got to condemn what happened at the Capitol, what they did was wrong, it was violent, it was illegal. But you've also got to condemn, as the Deputy Prime Minister has done this week, uh, the Black Lives Matters protests which evolved or turned into riots. Uh, and, you know, I find a lot of people being hypocrites on this, uh, people who are condemning rightly, uh, what happened at the Capitol, but at the same time, they were the people that were cheering on the Black Lives Matter protests. The cities were burning. You had Kamala Harris uh, saying that protesters should not let up. She actually set up a fund to bail out people who were arrested as part of these protests which turned into riots. Nancy Pelosi, who's a speaker over there, she said, I don't know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Uh, AOC, Alexandria... Uh, Ocasio-Cortez, who's a Democratic congresswoman over there, she said the whole point of protesting is to make people feel uncomfortable. Well, you know, uncomfortable is one thing, but uh, violence killing people and hurting people is another. And then we had CNN. I mean, uh, Chris Cuomo, who's one of their, their anchors over there, saying, please show me where it says protesters are supposed to be polite and peaceful. And then there was that famous scene of Kenosha burning in the background and the tagline across the bottom being uh, fiery but mostly peaceful protests. Yeah. Well, we can't have, a, in, a, in a democratic Western nation, violent, uh, violence in our politics. We saw it brought here to Australia in the Black Lives Matter protests as well. There was violence in, in, in one of the protests in Brisbane and there was violence in one of the protests in Melbourne as well. I don't want to see violence in our politics. Mm. It's it's abhorrent and it's foreign and it shouldn't come into it. We've seen it here too. In Australia, we saw very similar scenes. It was at the Capitol last year, 25 years or so ago in 1996, uh, where uh, a union rally, it was addressed by Labor MPs, including the then opposition leader, Kim Beasley. Uh, it got out of control and uh, the protesters there turned it into a riot and stormed uh, Parliament House. They broke through the doors. Uh, uh, around 90 people were injured. They ransacked the Parliament House uh, gift shop, doing hundreds of thousands of dollars of damage. Uh, uh, it was a very similar process. If you want to look at it, go to YouTube, uh, go to YouTube and Google 1996 Parliament House Riots. Uh, 
uh, and actually looking very similar to the Capitol protest. But we forget all that. Everybody condemned that after it, including Labor MPs that were there. Yeah, but no, no one blamed no, no. Labor, Kim Labor Beasley Party was rubbed Kim out. For him. He, he said at the rally, Kim Beasley said at the rally that uh, the Howard, then Howard government hates workers, hates students, and that's hates Aboriginal people. Yeah. Now, that's fairly toxic to say that a government, the Australian government, hates Aboriginal people. Not that they're doing damage to their interests or you don't agree with their policies. They apparently, the Howard government, John Howard, hated Aboriginal people. Now, look, I don't blame Kim. I'm not, I don't think he should have been rubbed out from public life. He obviously took a hit to his reputation, which he should have uh, uh, for being involved. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the people you blame are those who used weapons uh, to break through the Parliament House. I don't know what happened. Yeah. But they should be arrested. They should be uh, face the full, full force of the law. Uh, same goes here in this instance as well. And, and, and you've got to remember, I mean, this, all this stuff about Trump inciting it, it's just nonsense. Uh, should they have foreseen that it might have got out of control? Yeah, probably, and they should have had better crowd control there at that event. Um, uh, but, but, you know, Trump actually said to them, we're going to march peacefully and patriotic, patriotically down to the capital. That's, those were his exact words in his speech. So I don't think he could actually say criminally or legally that he's caused incitement. And I think you're seeing that play out through the Department of Justice simply not issuing any charges because there's none delay. No, oh, that's uh, not going to happen, is it? And uh, in saying that, he's going to take a huge hit to his political reputation yeah, as he has because... Uh, you know, when you're standing alongside these sort of things, uh, some of it, some of it, some of the mud rubs off on you. Uh, so that that will be something he has to deal. It with. really has been overegged to say it to almost like Trump did it, and and what Trump did was he tried to instigate a coup or an insurrection. I mean, really, I mean, people that are walking single file or two by two, you know, through the uh, through the ropes directing him in capital, you know, and walking, just casually strolling and looking around. Was that a coup or an insurrection? It was a riot. In well, there were some bad actors there. There's no doubt about that. Completely. Some of them were Antifa, probably some of them were Trump supporters. Uh, but again, going back to the comparison, right, uh, I, I called out the political yeah. violence of Black Lives Matter this morning and on the Today Show, the, the journalist Sylvia Jeffries responded by saying, well, 95% of the uh, Black Lives Matter movement were, or protests were peaceful. Well, probably 90, 95% of the people who attended the Trump rally the other day acted right. peacefully. Right. Uh, but it, it was always only a few that engage in this conduct, and we must condemn those groups of people. And the fact that the Black Lives Matter movement has been treated with kid gloves yeah. in this country and, and in parts of the United States has unfortunately normalised political violence in the US, which I hope doesn't happen here. We cannot allow that to happen here. Anybody that acts in that sort of way must be condemned, whatever side of politics you're on. But coming back to how this affects us, I mean, uh, the, the blowback is affecting us more than uh, than the event itself. And the blowback has been this online ban for Donald Trump or anyone who significantly supports Donald Trump online, on, on the platforms, on your, on your YouTube, on your Facebook, on your Twitter, all those types of things. And then Parler, uh, which is touting itself to be a free speech social media platform, uh, you know, who said to everyone, right, well, ditch your Facebook and ditch your Twitter and come over to us. And now suddenly Amazon servers pulled their uh, service from Parler and basically deplatformed them. So all of that is quite concerning to me, and it does mean that there's going to be blowback here in Australia. A lot of conservative voices in rural and regional Australia, people that tell me already that they've had uh, uh, bans from Facebook, that they've had uh, gone to Facebook jail or... Uh, 
been booted off Twitter or, or whatever. Um, for political discourse that's not violent, uh, that's not breaking the law, I don't think that should be tolerated in that country. Well, well just to provide these examples, I know of a, a state MP, uh, I think last year, sometime in the last 18 months or so, uh, he, he put up a post on, on renewable energy and its ineffectiveness uh, using data, using some... On Facebook? Uh, on Facebook, uh, some price data. Uh, and that that post was was taken down um, because of the claim was that it was not factual, even though he had it backed by facts. There's always a debate you can have, obviously, the interpretation of facts. Now, uh, I got in contact with Facebook about that, yeah. and admittedly, they they allowed the post to be reposted and apologised for uh, what they, they thought was I a don't mistake. Think they'd be doing it now. Um, well, who knows? But not everybody can easily access a. Uh, yeah, a federal exactly. member of parliament to quickly call someone on their behalf. Uh, uh, so look, I, I I'm not sure yet whether what we're seeing in the US with the mass banning of, of of viewpoints on Twitter and Facebook is happening here. However, given the events of the last week, it's going to. It certainly, yeah, it certainly has the potential to, and it probably is. So it raises the question: What do we do in response to that? Well, I mean, Zuckerberg uh, runs Facebook. Obviously, founded it. He said only a few years ago, a quote, I don't think it's right for a private company to censor politicians. What the hell has happened? Mm. Uh, Twitter, uh, the then CEO in 2010, uh, said Twitter was the free speech wing of the free speech party. Jack Dorsey, who runs Twitter, uh, said Twitter stands for free expression. Uh, You had, again, only a couple of years ago, Zuckerberg telling university students that we needed to ensure that there was free speech and free expression on the Facebook platform. In response to the terror attacks, uh, uh, the, 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 the um, one on Charlie Hebdo that happened over in Paris, um, Zuckerberg went out there publicly saying, you know, this is why we need to ensure that all voices are heard uh, on the internet and on our platform. Well, you know, they've just completely done uh, a 180 on that and I am worried that without government intervention we are going to have a situation where the public square uh, the the political discourse which now happens more online than it does anywhere else is going to be tightly controlled and we are only going to have the voices that the uh, the so-called community standards which I think is just another word for their ideology or their editorial standards um, or editorial guidelines, uh, that that is going to be the only voices that we are going to be able to hear online. And uh, that'll be a great shame for democracy. So intervention needs to happen of some sort. Well, today it's uh, those who support Trump and are uh, uh, sprouting certain theories. I mean, the, the Twitter has reported that 70,000 accounts have been banned. I think those associated with saying something around the Q issues around, um, and we could all... Sit back and laugh at those things. And it's not going to happen to us. But how? It's, it's I mean, it's not going to be far from them being able to say, "Well, this Q theory is is or I don't even how do you how do you describe Q or whatever it is crazy, That's crazy. That's crazy, right? We all agree with that. It's well, from what I've seen of it, it seems crazy. Um, that's crazy, and therefore, and could risk in this case saying could risk violence. Therefore, should be banned. How far a leap is it from that to then saying, "Well, uh, anybody who expresses doubt." about climate change science, you have to be banned because you're potentially going to blow up the planet if you're not reined in. It's a direct line to it. Exactly. That that is 
Now, I'm not aware, apart from that renewable energy example, which wasn't directly climate change per se, but I'm not aware of that happening yet. But it's not, if you're going to be consistent, that's a very easy argument to make. Maybe it's even more easy to say, hey, um, if you're a climate change sceptic, uh, you're threatening the whole planet. Not only are you just threatening the, the uh, one election or, or, or a riot occurring in one place, you're threatening the whole planet, therefore you should be banned. Is yeah. that where we're heading? Well, possibly. I mean, and, and look, you know, no matter what you want to say, even if it's crazy, to get back to the, the crazy theories, if you want to believe that, uh, you know, there's, there's some secret cabal or whatever, well, well, go ahead and believe it. But in the cut and thrust of public debate, that that's going to be pointed out as as crazy. Um, so, you know, what is the, the, the harm that's being done? The people who are silenced aren't going to stop believing. They're probably going to double down and believe it even more. Um, they're probably going to think, well, uh, I was just silenced, so therefore there's a reason they tried to silence me. Uh, it's just not the way to go. So I reckon that there is something that we need to do. And the way I see... Uh, the way I see forward here, I've got a petition going, by the way, stopcensorship.com, or if they can't go to that, it's georgechristensen.com.au backslash stopcensorship. And uh, it's calling on our communications minister to take this seriously, to actually um, look at putting in laws that stop the censoring of, of lawful political discussion on social media platforms. The way I view it is these platforms have a real... Uh, real good legal uh, situation. They're not liable for defamation. So you can go and say whatever you want about anyone on there, and and you know a lot of it is defamatory that I see on Twitter and that I see on Facebook, unfortunately. Um, but but Facebook aren't liable for it, and Twitter aren't liable for it. Uh, and why? Because they argue that well, we're we're a platform. We're meeting provo- merely providing a, a a service, a communication service for other people to publish their views, their news, and their opinions on. Um, well, that's great, but the point in which you start then uh, saying, well, no, that, that person can't because it's against our community standards, uh, editorial guidelines, uh, and that person can't publish this video on YouTube because it breaches this, and this person, oh, we're going to censor you on that. You have actually become an editor. You have become a, a publisher, and so you should be liable then for defamation because you are ultimately picking and choosing the content that you want on your platform. You've stopped actually being a platform at that point. You've become a publication, a publication that's got a myriad of uh, volunteer journalists, reporters, opinion makers, video uh, documentary makers, uh, but ultimately they become a publisher. I think we should, yeah, it's a really important point. And maybe just to explain that to people, uh, because this debate has moved very fast over last year, uh, the, the, the likes of Twitter and Facebook have had the protection of the law by saying they are a platform. Effectively, they're regulated the same way as, as Telstra would be. Yep. Right? So if you had a video conference over Telstra or, say, Zoom uh, these days to make it more uh, relevant to the current coronavirus era, if you had a big call over, over Zoom, maybe you had 40, 50 people in there, and you said something defamatory to that group, uh, you, no, one could, no one can go after Zoom and held mm. them responsible for those defamatory statements or Telstra in the case of a, of a phone conference. That's a platform. So Twitter and Facebook are saying, we're just a platform. We're just like Zoom or Telstra, providing a vehicle for people to communicate and share ideas. Uh, we can't be held responsible for what's said on the, uh, the platform. Uh, however, uh, you don't get a situation 
I'm not aware of Zoom or Telstra or any telecommunication operator censoring people's speech. I'm not aware of any example where a private uh, telecommunication operator picks up that someone's said something, you know, maybe they're planning a riot or, or, or threatening uh, someone or planning to commit a crime. I cannot think of a single example where Telstra's then said, okay, we're cutting you off. You know, I can no longer use your phone because we've got evidence that you used your phone uh, to, to try and uh, commit a crime. So, and that, that, I mean, there's evidence that, that comes out. People yeah. can't come out with phone taps and that, saying they have used Telstra to, to plan or commit uh, uh, criminal activities. They never get banned. They never get their phones taken away. But this is what Twitter and Facebook are doing now. Well, so how point. are they different from a newspaper, uh, say, The Australian? The Australian takes ads, decides what's written in there, and they make money from that process. That seems to be pretty much Twitter's business model now. Yeah. They get their money from advertising. So they need more people to look at it, and now they are deciding what is put up on, on their own platform. Yeah. So interestingly, I've never thought about that, but the Telstra and Zoom example means that it's more laissez-faire that even I would suggest that uh, social media platforms should be at. I mean, I think that, yeah, anything that's illegal, if it's a planning of a, an illegal act, if it's a legal statement, if it's a statement that's, that's unlawful to make, incitement to violence... Um, you know, it shouldn't be online. It should be taken down because it's against the law. And I think then the uh, the social media platform has a right to do that. I think they probably even have a right uh, to censor in accordance with the law. And they're, they're key words. I mean, we have standards that are set by our censors, like MA rating, PG ratings, and all that comes with that. And I know it's probably the thin edge of the wedge there, but if you want to censor things like nudity, swearing... Um, gory violence and, and stuff like that, if it conforms in accordance with the laws that we've set up for um, broadcast standards rather than censorship for broadcast standards, then, yep, that's probably fair game. It's political discussion that I'm talking about. It's the discussion that's edgy but not illegal. And what we're finding is people posting edgy discussion, people posting... Uh, Jokes, people posting or reposting or sharing uh, uh, conservative sort of cartoons that make fun of people or make fun of some political leader, they're the stuff that's being, that they're being sin bin for, they're going to Facebook jail for, and it's got to stop. It's got to stop. I, I think this is where the debate gets a little difficult. Uh, uh, I think there's a, a conceptual case for treating social media uh, companies, especially those like Facebook and Twitter who are... Uh, censoring speech in some way as a publisher and exposing them to the risk of, of defamatory action. However, there's always a risk with every more regulation we put in place. If we go to Canberra and pass some laws to do these things, it will then impose a significant cost on other social media companies that are not as large as Facebook or Twitter and may inhibit their ability to, to ultimately be a competitive alternative to those those organisations. So I think we've got to be very careful here about the, the so-called mischief or the issue that we're trying to deal with here. Uh, I agree with you that I think if, we, if we're going to look at these issues, uh, the focus in this country in particular needs to be on protecting our independent political debate and democracy in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, as you, as From you say, Silicon I, Valley interference. Yeah, so, so the, the, the core question in simple terms is do we think a company based in San Francisco should have a material influence 
over democratic elections in Australia? No. No, that's, I think the question answers itself. That Should you be censoring politicians? We, we, Should you be censoring political discussion? We, we, we don't no. want that, 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 that outcome. I, I, I'm not saying it's happened yet. No, I, don't, I don't think... Well, it has happened. I, what I'm saying is I don't think... I can't see evidence yet that Facebook or Twitter have had a material influence over elections okay. here. So let me there have you, been isolated well, examples, but I know uh, of what I federal... want to avoid is that happening, which is definitely a risk now. It's definitely a risk. We're on that path. I know another federal MP who told me that they tried to post uh, a Facebook ad and the ad was rejected and the ad was all about uh, promoting coal-fired power. Right. Now, uh, to go back to your climate yeah, change okay. example, I mean, that uh, where do you draw the line of what's a material difference? Well, that could make a material difference yep. in that MP's electorate that mm. has uh, had an ad rejected by Facebook. And, you know, actually, it's against the law in this country for someone to refuse service to someone based on their political opinion. Mm -hmm. So I, I get a query whether whether or not that is actually against our discrimination laws right now. Not that I'm big on mm -hmm. the discrimination laws, but hey, if it's going to be pushed on the left-wing stream, it's got to be pushed on the right as well. Yeah, that's no, a fair point. I, I, look, coming back to this foreign interference issue, uh, uh, if Twitter and Facebook now are as consequential to our election processes are as, say, the traditional media, as your newspapers and TVs, etc., we need to really think about should they be regulated in the same way uh, as that traditional media mm. in the, from an investment perspective. So we have very stringent obligations on any foreigners investing in our traditional media. Uh, there's a very low threshold for, for review of any investment in that media. Uh, there's obligations on foreign investors to report to Australian Communications and Media Authority on a regular basis. Uh, uh, but none of those laws apply at the moment to Facebook and Twitter. Yet here you have foreign-based corporations uh, uh, from a very small part of the United States uh, uh, who, as you, if your examples are right, that they already are having a, an influence on our elections and it's only going to grow in the years that, that, that come. And, you know, to get back to the point of the Weatherboard 9 podcast, uh, we're talking about issues that impact on rural and regional Australia. We've had a swathe of newspapers throughout rural and regional Australia disappear. People are getting their news and opinions mm. uh, in rural and regional areas online. They're getting it mainly from Facebook, mm. uh, maybe YouTube, maybe Twitter, not so much. No, Facebook, not much Twitter, but yeah. Facebook yeah. definitely. Maybe the, uh, the kids are going for Instagram. But uh, yeah. at the end of the day, um, this is the new media. This is the new public square. And uh, if they want to be publications, my view strongly is they want to be publications... Be a publication, be treated as such, and we'll put all the regulation and liability on you. Or you can go back to what I really want you to be. You know, what Twitter, the CEO of Twitter in 2010 said he wanted it to be, the free speech wing of the free speech party. Be the free speech party. Let's have a free speech party mm. uh, and use these platforms so that we can have all of that cut and thrust of the, the democratic process, which is open and public debate. This is a good way to end here then too because you've been criticised um, uh, this week for... Uh, <laughs> when have I not? I think so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Same week, um, different trouble. Uh, yeah, um, every day that ends with why that happens. But um, uh, uh, you've been criticised for, for comments you've made about the COVID situation and all the US elections. I've been criticised too. I haven't been as forward-leaning as you. I can't quite... Um, Claim as much credit. I wish I could, but um, uh, I've been criticised too. I think by Anthony Albanese. Uh, um, um, the the and the idea from some Labor MPs is that that you 
or I or other MPs should be should be silenced. Shut we, we should be shut down because uh, we are expressing views that are somehow against the, the, the common opinion or the perceived common opinion. I mean, that, that I think the point you just made at the end, that's the real risk here, that, that we end up not being able to challenge and that people become unchallengeable because you're not allowed to criticise. At the left and the media, and I repeat myself, the left, mm. uh, what they really want is there to be just a one-way political discussion. They're happy to have a Liberal Party, a National Party, as long as the Liberal National Party conform to what they consider to be the centre-left sort of values. Well, we're not. Uh, we're centre-right. Uh, some of us are more than centre-right. Some of us are conservative. Some of us are ultra-conservative. They are all legitimate political expressions. And they've got to be heard in democracy. They can't be silenced. Well, and this is what really gets me, is that if we silence criticism, if we silence those that are going against the expert opinion, we become a technocracy, we become governed by experts. And let's just take a look at the track record of experts over recent times. I mean, the experts said 15 years ago that collateralised debt obligations and mortgage-backed securities were very low risk. They were AAA credit rated and they were never going to fail. They were wrong, wrong massively. If you listen to the experts... Uh, uh, there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Mm. Uh, and we had to uh, pursue an extremely costly war that we're still really involved in, in some way, uh, uh, over what was incorrect information. So should those experts have been allowed to be challenged? I think they should have been. Uh, uh, going back further, I mean, uh, public health authorities have got things wrong in the past. Thalidomide was a terrible, mm-hmm. uh, uh, shocking uh, um, negligence on behalf of the... Uh, medical uh, industry, uh, we, we, we should actually prize people in our community that are willing to have a bit of a courage from time to time and say things that, that might challenge people and make can, people uncomfortable. That's, it, that's really back, important. I can take you back a week ago when the experts uh, in Queensland Health were telling us that uh, in Brisbane, uh, where there was uh, apparently an outbreak, that people had to wear masks in cars even mm. if they were driving alone. And it was because of the ridicule of that utterly ridiculous and stupid rule that uh, about three days later, they said, oh, you don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, well, the same in so, gyms as well. They said they had to, experts originally said you had to wear masks in Brisbane in a gym while exercising, <laughs> despite the fact that the World Health it. Organization had previously ruled that it's dangerous to people's health to wear masks while they're, while they're conducting strenuous activity. So that rule's been uh, changed now. Uh, to um, uh, look, I, 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 I'm not. This does not mean that experts always get it wrong either. Uh, they or, don't always get it right. But right. they don't always get it right. None of us always get it right. None of us are perfect, and we have a good functioning society, in my view, particularly in the West, built on the freedom of speech, built on the willingness of people uh, to allow others to say things which you might disagree with, which you might violently disagree with, but you allow them to say it. And our efforts should be focused on defending the rights of those people to say those things, not silencing them. Agreed. And uh, to end it with uh, a quote from a farmer up my way, he tells me that an expert can be defined as such, X meaning former and spurt meaning a drip under pressure. (laughs) Very good. Very good. Well, good way to end. Uh, Good to be back with the podcast. We'll try and do a a few more early on this year. There's a lot going on. Uh, Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe. You can do that at all favourite podcast apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. Happy New Year and all the best for 2021. Cheers.